Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Ship Talking. I'm your host, Brandon, and this week, our incredible community manager, James, is in the co-host seat again. Welcome back, James. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Brandon. How are you doing on this very fine Sunday? <laughs> doing good. Yeah, I wonder if our listeners know that we record on Sundays, and then, of course, the episode comes out on Friday. Although, it's not always Sundays, but um, but yeah, and now it's going good. Um, did a bit of trekking this weekend. Oh, yeah. Uh, got a few uh, episodes of TNG in. I was going to sit down and watch Generations, though, uh, but we didn't get to it. Um, so we're, we're putting that in. I just hadn't seen in a while. And, of course, definitely need to watch Star Trek VI uh, very soon as mm. a little tribute to Christopher Plummer. Very sad news there. Indeed. Yeah, that's definitely been a film that's moved to the top of my watch list as well. And I'm hoping to get to it probably by midweek this week and just really take in that fantastic performance he puts in as general chang it is incredible he really set the uh foundation for klingons all the way to what we're seeing now so may he rest in stovacore thanks christopher Plummer, for all you did for klingons in this week's episode brandon and i get to sit down with the latest person to pen and enterprise adam isle the designer of the one and only odyssey class so last week we focused on the big D, this week the big F. There is probably a joke I could make in there, but I won't. Alas, I am looking forward to chatting with Adam as I've always been a fan of the Odyssey class and actually the journey it took to come to life. Yeah, the less we say about big Ds, probably the better for this podcast. Uh, <laughs> That's true. Let's maybe focus on the big F. Yeah, yeah. The chat with Adam during the episode is going to be 13 minutes long, and our patrons that are subscribed via Patreon at the Enterprise C tier or higher will have access to the full expanded chat that's runtime is around 39 minutes. That's right. The full chat includes deeper discussion on the topics you'll hear today, as well as entirely new topics that didn't make the show simply due to episode length constraints. It does. Now, before we meet up with Adam, we're going to review the submissions that were sent in for this week's Community Queue and share a new one. And then after the chat with him, well, I'm sure you're all beginning to know the drill, we'll head into this week's All Hands on Deck segment, where the two ships will go head-to-head, and we'll also announce our next guest. I am very excited for the ship talking we have ahead, so let's get trekking and move into this week's Community Queue segment. For this week's Community Queue, we asked you all if you could make one ship that was designed by a member of the fanbase canon, which ship would it be? I have been looking forward to this for a while. I know we've been planning it. And I was really surprised to see our top mention was the Chariot class. And I say surprised because there's actually so much interesting discussion that's happened on this class. And there's very opinionated thoughts on its design but it was originally designed by chris reyes in 2004 and james i know you've seen it in action i have indeed it's such an interesting take on the starfleet design language because what we've seen post galaxy class is people taking those constructs you know the saucer the nacelles the star drive Mm -hmm. and lengthening them and that's really obvious in ships like the sovereign class right the chariot really expands it on the vertical plane instead of the horizontal plane and so we end up with this 
ship that's quite short but very tall. Maybe it was designed or maybe there was some inspiration of it being more like a, you know, mobile station mm. that could move around because it had those nacelles. I mean, hearkening back to the older Trek games, if we think about stuff like Star Trek Armada, where they invented ships to fill roles that hadn't really been explored in the franchise, like the repair ships, Mm -hmm. I could definitely see the chariot class as being some sort of mobile repair post where ships can fly out to it and it can fly to other ships as well. They can dock, they can get supplies. Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts. Other frequently mentioned ships were the Excalibur class as well as the Polaris. I'm a big fan of the Excalibur class. It has a huge following within the Bridge Commander modding community, Mm -hmm. or at the very least did when that community was very active, to the point where it's become the name of a spin-off fan project, which is still in development, called Star Trek Excalibur. Oh, yeah. As for the Polaris class, I mean, it's a really incredible ship, and it's surprising that it was designed in 2013, but equally not as much, because Into Darkness came out, and you can kind of see a design lineage in there from the vengeance scene in that film. Yeah, you definitely can. Yeah, the Excalibur, of course, back in the Bridge Commander days, I definitely remember having that in there. Uh, We've seen some fan design Enterprise Gs made from that as well. Mm. What I like about the Polaris class is it can saucer separate, but it looks a little bit more tactical, maybe like a dual vector assault mode rather than multi-vector since there's just two of them. But both of those really cool fan ships and was excited to see all of these submissions this week so thanks for sending them in for the next community queue we're mixing up one of our guest questions and asking you if you're in starfleet and stationed on a ship which section of it would you most like to work in I'm looking forward to hearing what you all think. Of course, we've got the bridge, we've got engineering, we've got lower decks, we've got 10 forward, so many places to work on a ship. Where do you want to be if you were there? Let us know your answers via email, going to our website and using the submission form, or even send us a hail on Twitter. I think it's time that we head down to 10 forward and get a few glasses of Romulan whiskey replicated as Adam's due to beam in directly there any moment. You have removed the replicator restrictions, haven't you, Brandon? I sure have, and it's perfect timing because I'm thirsty for a drink and hungry for our chat. So let's go. When the Enterprise is on screen, you have to know it's the Enterprise. Right. Even if it's surrounded by other ships, Hmm. you have to know that's the Enterprise. So I started with a silhouette from the side. I was like, I'll get the silhouette, and this is what the silhouettes look like of all my ships. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, I want to do something different. I want to keep negative space. I like negative space. I like the way that the Romulan Warbird looks. I love that hollow in the center. Mm -hmm. And then I also went outside of Star Trek, and I was looking at the Protectorate from Galaxy Quest. Yeah, yeah. And I turned it around, and I was like, okay, so you got those two... The nacelle things that come off that hold it up. I was like, what if the necks came off the side of the ship? Uh, Interesting. And so I went from there. I was like, I got my negative space in between, and I got the two things coming that way. So it was was different. And I was like, okay. And I did a real quick sketch. I read through the rules, and I was like having – and this is another aspect that people got mad. I'm a professional designer. Well, that's not your fault, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's not my fault. At the time, I was working for a company. We did stuff for Disney. We did stuff for Universal in Orlando. So I'm a professional artist. That's what I do for a living. So I read the rules, and having done more than my share of concepts for other companies, they said they wanted a concept. It didn't say they wanted a finished ship. They didn't want something finished. Right. Hmm. So I drew up a pen and ink concept 
said, okay, met the deadline, sent it in. And that was it. I forgot about it. You kind of just put it out in the universe and you're like, okay, I'll wait. Yeah, I put it out in the universe. I checked up to see what other fans were liking. I saw that they loved Chris Madden's. Yeah. That they loved um, Fuzzy uh, Fuzzy Modem's ship was the top rated oh, yeah, one. yeah, I remember that one, yeah. For everybody. And he had the number one spot for the fan choice. Right, yep. So I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, mine was nowhere to be found. When you And you go into the fan listings, it was nowhere in the top 100. And I was like, whatever. Okay, so I just, I stopped worrying about it and I went about my life. And then I got the email one morning and I was like, what? And I went and looked and sure enough, I was like, no, this isn't real. This is somebody pulling my leg. It's not real. So I went and jumped on the Trek BBS and sure. I mean, there was like a dozen threads and most of them very unkind. Hmm. Very, very unkind. The classic on brand Trek fan. It got worse. I was telling my son this and he was like, did you keep them? I was like, no, I didn't keep them. I didn't report. I got some nasty emails oh geez oh really i got i mean if i'm i'm pretty sure one of them was at least a death one of them was a death threat oh my god um but they were nasty i'm talking vicious it got vicious through email it got vicious on the trek bbs there were other places other websites that were just the i mean i mean to the point where i posted on the trek bbs that i'm done i'm gonna walk away from this it's like i won i'm sorry that you guys aren't happy about it but I'm done. I'm going to wash my hands of it. I'm going to move on and go on with my life for the rest of it because this is horrible. Yeah. And it was Andrew Probert who sent me a message on the Trek BBS. All right. Oh, wow. And Andrew sent me the message. He goes, he goes, I under, because you know what? Having done, I've been in the industry the art as an artist for 20 something years at that point. Yeah. My skin is pretty thick. Mm. I've had art directors literally tell me to my face after the project was 90% finished that I had to start from scratch because I'm all wrong. So I've learned not to take things that personally when it comes to criticisms. But sure, yeah. when it was no longer, it no longer was a criticism about the art. It was that I was a hack. I was this. I was that. It's like there's now personal attacks. It all became ad hominem. Yeah. That crosses the line. That's where I was like, I'm done. I can't. If you're going to come after me for something that isn't my fault, I didn't pay money for this. I sent in a, a thing. I sent in a, a drawing. And then there, I mean, I did what they asked me to. Yeah. Yeah. I sent in a concept drawing because it was very clear in the rules that said something we can work from. Yeah. A starting point. Yeah. A lot of other artists and stuff were very upset that they had done finished products. And I'll give Fuzzy Mode, because I know Fuzzy was one of them, Fuzzy Mode. And honestly, I have no, this is no ill will. I really think Fuzzy's design is great. Mm -hmm. But he he was one who got really, he's like, how can you be so upset? I poured everything into this and I did this and I did that. I was like, that's not what they asked for. Right. Yeah. They wanted this. This is, I gave them what they wanted. And as you can see, when people say, oh, you're Odyssey F, I was like, honestly, it was Adam Williams and Thomas that did most of the work. <laughs> they took your concept. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the credit for the concept. But when it comes to the final design, that's theirs, not mine. Yeah, and they do that now. They have concept artists which crank out, you know, amazing depictions of ships. Yeah. But then it's all about, okay, we got to build it in game. We got to build on top of it. Yep. What's going to be feasible to actually put in? How does it work with their abilities and whatnot? Um, but gosh, yeah, I, I actually didn't know that part of the story. And I'm glad Andrew reached out because... Oh, he did. You know. He reached out because I had done... Other people were asking me, well, how will it separate? How will it... I had ideas on what it would do. Sure. Yeah. And some of them threw ideas at me. I don't remember who gave me the idea that if it were to separate, the, the way I had drawn it, the necks weren't as thick as they are in the game. Okay. That it actually would have been a ring that wrapped around the bottom of the ship. Hmm. And that if it separated... 
The secondary hull would lift up and back, mm-hmm. leaving the ring attached to the bottom of the saucer, which would then give the saucer warp capabilities with a warp ring, leaving the secondary hull oh, to have warp capabilities with a warp. The warp that so there'd be two warp drives. That is such a cool concept. Not mine. I wish I could take the credit for that. I can't remember <laughs> on the Trek BBS who gave me that idea, but I was like, oh my god, that works so great. Even if it wasn't a perfect ring, yeah, those could be nacelles on the side. And I was like, okay, that'd be kind of cool. I mean, on the notes of abilities and things like that, we saw Discovery head off into the 32nd century, and they have a ton of new tech there. Mm-hmm. If your class stood the test of time and made it to that era, what sort of things would you like to see incorporated into it from that sort of generation? I'd like to see it on screen for longer than a second and a half. <laughs> Start That's there my first. biggest issue. That's my biggest issue. I was like, you got all these ships and we don't see any of them. Mm. Now, I don't know if that's because they're half-born ideas that they just needed something on screen because we never got to see the Voyager. We saw real quick clips of it. The Nog, we saw just enough of it to get the idea that it was the Nog and all that kind of stuff. And while personally I think they veer way too far, I realize this is a thousand years in the future, but the aesthetic, it's such a jump. It's like the idea of the nacelles not being attached. It's like, so they're Bluetooth nacelles? I don't get that. <laughs> I don't I don't understand it. The concept in my I was like, how do you have a how do you have an engine that doesn't attach? I mean, hopefully Bluetooth is a bit more reliable. Yeah, well, like it's think about it, you know, I would say if we you know, talk to our grandparents and told them Bluetooth was going to be a thing where you'd had a keyboard and a mouse that don't have to be connected. It would be so far out there. And we're talking true 1100 plus years from our future. So anything is possible, but I know what you mean. It's a, it's, we hadn't seen anything like it before. Yeah, it is. It is such a jump Yeah, that I hope we get to see more on screen. Yes. I really do the redesign on discovery. I actually, I mean, I liked the discovery from the get go. I was like, it did enough. My only issue was the square nacelles. Mm. And that was that was a directive given to John Eves and all the other designers that they had they couldn't use the cylindrical s- nacelles. I don't know why. Mm. Okay, I had some guy claim not too long ago on Facebook they dropped my concept illustration into a thread, and some guy pipes up. He goes, he just traced Andrew Probert's D. If you look, you can do an overlay. So I had to, of course, I dropped in there. I was like, wow, you know what? I'm gonna have to try that, seeing as I have the original. Yep. And I'm going to have to see if that works because I'm pretty sure it doesn't. Just kind of snarky that way. Mm-hmm. And it was like, because I know what I did. I mean, I, I'm an illustrator. Can I look at something and redraw it without having to trace it? Sure. Did I use a specific style because that's what's been seen before? Of course I did. Well, that's the whole thing about the Enterprise. It needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's Andrew talked about it last week is that he lined basically the B and the D up and kind of drew lines in between to get the shape of what the C is. You know, there's a lineage yeah. to the Enterprise that is classic. Mm-hmm. And I think the F does a great job of iterating on its entire line and brings it so you know this person thinks that they could just place the d over and draw but you know we all know the shape is not there but of course it does pull aspects forward like the deflector shape it looks almost like an eye uh that that kind of pulls Mm. forward but then it's iterated on and i think that's important i think for it to be an enterprise it needs to have that kind of lineage it needs to look like it does yeah it has to it has to be an evolution yeah you need to be able to see it in a row 
and it looks like it fits. Exactly. Like, I do not think we'll ever see an Enterprise with nacelles that are underneath the hull, swooping no. down like the Luna. Just just not what the Enterprise lineage is. Or even horizontal, like Discovery. Yeah. Now, did you catch or see or read or at least someone tweet you about the Picard Countdown comics? It was like a dozen people. Like, I hadn't even knew, I didn't know uh-huh. what was going on. Okay. Um, they're like, have you seen it? I was like, what have I seen? What? She goes, it's canon. I was like, it's already been told to me that it's canon. Yeah. I can't tell you who told me that it's canon, but it's canon. I can tell you right now, until we see otherwise, the Odyssey is canon. And well, it's no longer the Odyssey anymore. Whatever it is now, it's the, uh, camera, not remember the class. No, it's, well, they only named the ship in the comic as the Verity. Um, but, the Verity, but the Odyssey class itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The class name is being preserved. It's just the ship in the comics was the yes. Verity. Yep. Yeah, the, it was the Verity, and it changes the timeline compared to Stowe a little bit. Yeah, we have seen some of the timeline stuff there, but uh, there's always some in-game explanation that could be used. I think they're <laughs> less worried about that. But yeah, it was really cool to see oh, that. I was, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think after all the work that CBS did alongside Cryptic and yourself, you know, during the contest, I think it's got to be very similar to what Sean Taranjo experienced, you know, with Lower Decks and seeing the Titan show up. If we see the F in Picard, everyone is expecting it to be your beauty. I mean, if the F did show up in Picard, have you got like a dream in your head of who you would like to see appear on the view screen after that comes out of warp or slipstream? Hmm. Well, they'd have to get somebody to play... Uh, for Kelshawn. Yeah, thank you. They, I mean, and they've already used Jason Isaacs. I love Jason Isaacs, and I think he's played yeah. an awesome... I, I actually think that if they're going to do Thrawn for Star Wars, he should play Thrawn, but... Um, the uh, I think he'd be an incredible Thrawn. He'd be so good in that role. I can but see that. Yeah. Thrawn, Sean, he could definitely come back in some Andorian <laughs> makeup and play Sean. I mean, you never know. Yeah. There have been actors who've played multiple characters. Yeah. Jeffrey Combs, for example. Yeah. Jeffrey Combs, Mark Leonard. Mark Leonard has played every. He played Klingon. He played Romulan. He played Vulcan. Yeah. So. You've got Ken Mitchell continuing the tradition in Discovery. Yeah. It's not unheard of. And when. It's like what. I, you know, honestly, when, when the Titan showed up. I had to go. I was like, I was on Facebook. I was like, Sean, dude. It's <laughs> like, you made it, man. You made it. You waited so long and here it is. So yeah, I mean, it was just like, now, now I'm just waiting because it's like between Mark Rademacher, myself and Sean Taranjo, we're the, I mean, I guess we're the only ones that have had ships that have really mm. gone on to become part of the lexicon. They've stood the test of time and yeah. uh, I've spoken with the other guys, uh, but we want to extend the invite to you. Mark and Sean would love to get together with you on a future episode and really just the three of you sit around a table talking about your ships, you know, where they're at now and, and what that feels like. I think that could be a really interesting conversation. That'd be fun. Well, Adam, we know you've got to get back to your ship, but before you go, we've got five rapid fire questions for you and we'd like to know the very first answer that comes to mind. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Let's go. Cool. All right, Adam, what's your favorite ship? Enterprise A. Favorite series? TOS. Favorite captain? Ma, don't do this rapid fire. <laughs> it's going to be a toss-up between Cisco and Kirk. Pick one. Cisco. If you are headed into Starfleet Academy and had to pick one of the three career tracks, command, science, or engineering, which one would you go with? Engineering. And finally, if you had to remove one of the Enterprise designs from the timeline, which would it be? The C. 
Interesting choice. Is there a reason you go with the C? Because the original design was better. Uh, you're talking about Probert's <laughs> original design. Probert's original design that should have been on screen was so much better. I mean, it technically was on screen as a model in the Enterprise briefing lounge, but... Yes, true. But his original concept for that and his original drawings for that were so... I realized budgetary constraints said no, but it was... It's not a horrible ship. I don't mind it. It just looked better in the design phase. Fair enough, fair enough. Adam, thanks again for joining us. While you head out, James and I are going to warp over to this week's All Hands on Deck segment. For this week's drill, community members were asked to send in ships they would like to be placed into the proverbial space dock, and they could be any ship from any era and belong to any species. We're now going to draw two at random and have them go head to head. So, Brandon, let's start the drum roll. Yes, okay, I'm going to load up my little random draw tool. It's kind of like a digital names and a hat gizmo. And the first ship is the Kumari, the Andorian Kumari. Mm. Cool. Okay. Interesting. All right. And our second ship is the Romulan Valdor. Ooh, oh, okay. We've got 22nd versus 24th there. Yes, but also, don't both these ships have forward-mounted tactical systems? I think they do, thinking about it, because I remember in Nemesis, the Valdors tended to fire from the wingtips and yep. the head, if I remember, and the Kumari was very much the same in Enterprise. Okay, so these ships going head-to-head would be more like a dogfight then. I picture, like, you know, F-16s or, yeah. or planes, you know, having to face head-on to be able to attack each other. Yeah, I believe the fight method is known as jousting, Okay, where two ships with front-mounted weaponry just basically have to charge at each other, and it's almost a game of chicken yeah. in that it's the first one to veer off that then ends up being chased. Right, or somehow, you know, chasing them from behind and, and trying to stay behind which one's more maneuverable. So mm-hmm. uh, now, do we think that the Romulan ship has a bit of an edge because it can cloak? I mean, it can cloak and it's 200 years in the future. So I think that definitely the Valdor has a bit of an edge there. That's that's true. Now, there is one thing that I do remember about the Valdor that is something that's a trade-off, is that it could only use warp if it was at cloak. So maybe if the Kumari was able to work some kind of tactical approach where it knocked the cloaking offline, mm-hmm. then it couldn't go to warp, whereas the Kumari could escape if needed to Ooh, and yeah. continue to go to warp at any time. That'd be an interesting trade-off. We've also got to consider as well that the most notable Kumari-class ship we've seen on screen was commanded by none other than General Shram. And I'm sure that that Andorian has plenty of sneaky tactics up his sleeve for taking (laughs) on any scenario. Yeah, I I do think it'd be an interesting fight. And I think maybe the Kumari could come out ahead if it somehow was able to knock cloaking offline and, you know, keep beating down on the Valdor and it couldn't escape. So, James, what do you think? Who is going to come out ahead, the Valdor or the Kumari? I mean, I think on paper, the Valdor definitely succeeds. But we've seen in Trek time and time again that... Often it's the mouse that wins the cat and mouse chase, either through using environmental stuff. You know, we saw Wrath of Khan using the Mutaran Nebula to gain an advantage over Khan's fully powered Miranda class. Absolutely. If the Kamari was able to find something like that nearby, then perhaps it would win over the Valdor. But I think the Valdor, if it had the edge and the element of surprise would just knock the Kumari out of the sky, or space. I think so. 
If you want to participate in the weekly drills, we announce them on our Twitter towards the end of each week, so do keep an eye out. Well, that's going to do it for this week, but before we share our socials and slip out of here, we want to announce our next special guest. I'm really excited to say that my good friend and incredibly talented Trek artist Tim Davies is going to be joining us. You may know him around the Trek universe as Suricata, and he's created some of the most beautiful Master System displays, also known as MSDs. I absolutely love MSDs and Star Trek, dating, you know, right back to Next Gen and the motion picture era. There are so many Easter eggs snuck in there by the Akudas and things like that, and it's great to see there's still a passionate fan following for these Elkars displays in the modern world. Mm -hmm. If nothing else, it's because they make fantastic desktop backgrounds for when you want to trek up your gaming or your work setup. So yeah, it's going to be really fantastic to speak to Tim and get the ins and outs of what goes into creating an MSD in the 21st century. Yeah, and we're also going to be able to have interesting chats about ship interiors since Mm. he has to figure out where everything goes. Absolutely, and the various tech as well. I want to ask him how big the empty spaces are supposed to be for the turbo lifts because, (laughs) well, let's just say we got an interesting look in season three. Interesting, I think, is the right word. Don't forget, hailing frequencies are always open. Head to shiptalkingpod.com to transmit a message via the submission form, and while you're there, check out our large range of merchandise supporting us is a great way to support us also make sure to check out the link to our patreon at the top of the page and view the special benefits we're providing to patrons in return for their support including expanded chats with all of our guests on the topic of expanded chats it's kind of mind-blowing to think about we're only what is it 14 episodes in at this point and there's already 400 extra minutes of content in the expanded chats On top of that, some tiers also offer the chance to interact with some of our past guests on a daily basis. I know that Adam, who we've just been speaking to, has just hopped into the Discord where you can speak with people like Sean and Mark from previous episodes. Yeah. In fact, just the other night we were having a conversation with Sean about bridge design on the Titan. It's really incredible to just have this little area where we can continue the discussions that we start on the podcast and even get answers to the questions that we just didn't have time to get to. We send an invite to every guest that joins our chats uh, and many of them have already joined and we get to actually see some really cool things. Not only was John talking about the bridge design for the Titan, but we also saw Mark Raidmaker posting some original concepts and designs and videos for the Vesta. Your support via Patreon goes towards our hosting fees, equipment, coffee, and so much more that's needed to make the pod happen. So we truly appreciate it. We really do. Especially the coffee here at Ship Talking. We're all a little bit Janeway when it <laughs> yeah. comes to needing that extra kick to make sure we make the best product for you. That's true. You can also get in touch with us via email. We're at hello at shiptalkingpod.com. Send in your feedback and entries for the community queue, and we do make sure to reply to every single email that we get. We're also on Twitter via at shiptalkingpod. James has a lot of fun engaging with the community, sharing memes, daily ship facts, and even giveaways. James, thanks for all you do. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's the community and yourself who make it all so easy and fun to do. It's really the dream. I get to come on every day and talk about ships from Star Trek. I mean, what more (laughs) could you want from life? It's a lot of fun. And just on another note, the best way to support us is to tell your Trek friends and fellow ship enthusiasts about the show. They can find us wherever they get their podcasts by just searching Ship Talking 
or just send them to our website and they can get a direct link to us on their favorite platform from there. Of course, a big thanks to our audio engineer, George Davies, who does all the editing and sound production magic behind the scenes each week. And last but certainly not least, a huge thank you to our amazing listeners, our community, and our patrons on Patreon who support the show. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all of you. Until next week, watch out for any Terran imposters trying to switch places with you or your friends, and we'll chat with you then. Terra Firma! Uh, what have you done with James? <laughs> I'm gonna have to go investigate this. Bye, everyone. Bye. Captain's Log Supplemental. As it turns out, it is as I feared. James was somehow replaced on this week's episode by Terran James. While he's been confined to the brig for the moment, we're looking for a way to get our James back and get this imposter sent back to where he came from. I really hope my next log entry has better news. Computer and log recording.